Oh boy, it is hump day already. Time to get your hump on. I am Stretch. This would be the Big 49. Welcome to it. Thank you for listening to it. We appreciate you. I have to tell you, I've got high strangeness in the midst today. I am going to uh, come up in the next segment with a quick little interview with our friend Aaron Plessinger of the Red Bull KTM team. Going to get our echo on and our interview with Aaron. We will do that. And then I'm going to give you guys some uh, uh, updates on the stretch out read, what's been happening. And then I'm going to do a UFO story right after that. And that is not all. The UFO story is an update on one that we have talked about already here on the stretch show. It's just the latest spin on one of the UFO stories that has been in the news. Then I got a fun story about a, a a bank robber who got robbed. That's the best of me. This is a great one. And then I got a lady that, uh, well, she died. Only they found out she wasn't dead at her funeral. <laughs> That's always fun. Well, I'm at a funeral and someone wakes up and comes out of the casket. I am flipping out and not going near that person. I'm like, you are no Lazarus. Jesus did not bring you back. You are a demon, and I would run away. I'd be terrified. Yeah, I have a fun story about uh, the gay pride party at the White House with President Biden. It was a very classy affair. We'll get into that one. And then I have, you are spied on more than you know. Like, every second of every day, your smartphone is spying on you. And all of that data is for sale, and I will tell you who's buying that data. One of the biggest consumers of smartphone base. It's not stolen data. Like, you consent to it when you agree to have an iPhone or whatever. But it's pretty scary who's buying the biggest chunks of that data. Like, what do they want with all that data? Why, why are they collecting profiles on every American in the known effing world? And I have a story about uh, Ozempic 2, which is a a diabetes drug that I personally take that I often go months without getting because it's the trendy bitch celebrity effing um, diet drug that is weird because they tell me it's a diet drug and it's done nothing for me. (laughs) Nothing, nothing at all for me in that realm. But we will get into that as well. I'm going to rant about that a little bit and tell these dicky celebrity douchebags to stop taking it. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people. There's probably tens of thousands of people begging these celebrities to stop taking this crap. We'll get into it. All of that coming up here. But first, an interview with our good friend Aaron Plessinger. AP, the cowboy rolling up. Cowboy style in moments on the stretch show for a hump day. It's a big 4-9. The Big 49 Moto Minute Brought to you by LBZ More good news for the outdoor season Filthy Phil Nicoletti will be back this weekend at High Point And like everyone else who's coming back He's going to be aboard a 450 for that muck-off club MX Yamaha Phil missed most of the Supercross season after a crash at Oakland left him with a wrist injury. So getting Filthy Phil back is a win for the sport right now. Can't wait to see where he comes in in the top 10. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute, brought to you by LBZ, is coming up one hour from now. 
Big 49. It's the Stretch Show, and right now we are sitting down with the winners from Thunder Valley in Colorado and up on the box, a fan favorite today and a Big 49 favorite in Aaron Plessinger of that Red Bull KTM team. It is always good to talk to you, Aaron. Congratulations on getting up on the box, even though you had some struggles today, yet you came out pretty freaking solid. Walk us through your day. Tell us about that crash you had with Ferrandez, how that went down, what happened, how you battled through in that moto and still had good results. And then in the second moto, you looked like a freaking rock star. So let, let's hear about it. Tell us about the day. Yeah, it was a good day overall. Um, I successfully hit the ground every <laughs> every race I've been to so far. And uh, um yeah, that was uh, unfortunate. I just yeah. took a line that led into Dylan's line, and I didn't really see him coming. And man, he shot out of there and, and slammed me, and we both hit the ground. And then his bike got stuck on top of me, and yeah. and um, yeah, he had to lift it off of me, and and uh, I got back going. And luckily enough, I could I, I salvaged fourth out of that. Yeah. So um, nice. felt good that first moto. I did the opposite of jet i um i got roosted quite a bit today my my chest is like almost bleeding and um uh yeah second moto got off to a you know decent start and then um had to make a few passes and got into second and was feeling really good and and um was was kind of holding the gap pretty good to, to me and jet and then uh like I don't know, probably four laps ago, I, I was like, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash, don't hit the ground, don't hit the ground. And uh, Dylan and, and Ty put on a good ride to, uh, you know, bring it in close at the end. But um, overall, good day, I'm on the podium. Even with hitting the ground, so I'm happy with that. All right, and you got to be happy with it. It was a great ride, all in all, especially considering that that salvage of fourth place in that first moto was very impressive after hitting the dirt and getting back on your bike. And you were on the dirt for a while because, like you said, you got pinned under uh, Ferrandez's bike, so he had to lift it off of you, and then you still managed fourth place. So, congratulations on a really great effort and a great ride out there today. Uh, next week, though, we are heading up to High Point, East Coast race, different kind of dirt. Uh, legendary track I know not too far away from where uh, it would be almost a home track for you uh, coming out of Ohio so uh, what do you think on this are you fired up about it where does high point rank on on your favorite tracks list um I love high point it's probably up there you know top three tracks um, I've always liked high point I've grew up racing there uh, yeah. qualifiers and, and all that so um, I I really like it and then you know last year I was doing good until I almost twisted my ankle off <laughs> and I uh, had to pull off but uh, now I like high point it's yeah. a good track it's good ruts um, it gets yeah. pretty rough uh, always seems to get a little dry in the second moto yeah. but it's it's a really good track um, you know old old national track and yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. I'm looking forward to it. All right, AP, we're looking forward to seeing you put on another clinic and get out there and throw it down. See if you can get back on the podium. Two weeks in a row would be sweet. Congratulations on a great ride today. Really enjoyed watching it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week at High Point. I'm Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big 4-9. It is a stretch show. Right now I'm going to uh, do something that I told you guys I was going to do. Uh, I've been talking about it for weeks and weeks. 
And now I am finally going to come clean. Uh, what has happened here over the last uh, two years? This is all while doing a radio station from the studio inside my house. And then when I can, driving out to the real studio on the other side of Los Angeles. And sometimes going out to the other studios. But, uh... So for the last couple of years, I have been working at the Big 49, as you all know, every freaking day. And I've been complaining and complaining about having three jobs. You've heard me probably at nauseum talk about having three jobs and how much that sucks and how it's been killing me. And I never really elaborated on where I worked in it. And that is because it has been top secret. Well, I no longer work there. I am now back to my original job. And I just wanted to let you guys look behind the curtain and uh, tell you what exactly has happened and why that all went down and why I risked not really being able to give the pure amount of effort needed to the 49 uh, to take a really crappy job. And that is because, let's back this uh, train up and tell you that there was, remember I have a son who's 30, I have a daughter who is in college, and my daughter went to private school her entire life, her entire life, private school all the way up through, and then when it came time to go to college, the plan was always, hey, where do you want to go, what do you want to do, and, and pick your thing. Well, at some point about freshman, sophomore year of college, she came back or I'm sorry, freshman or sophomore year of high school, she came back and told us where she wanted to go to college, and this is where she wanted to go. Uh, we looked at it. It's one of the most expensive schools in all of California, if not the country, of course. But it was like, hey, if you can get your way in there, and it's really hard to get into, you can go and uh, go there. And we had been saving money for her, but we weren't saving the kind of money it would take to go to a ridiculous school talking about a school with like Ivy League fees not an Ivy League school Ivy League Ivy League fees and uh, so we're, we'll figure it out and then right about the time my daughter got accepted to that school where we told her if you want to go there you can go there and that was her first pick from before she ever even started applying and then my wife was like alright you know we'll figure it out she gets accepted, and right about the time, my wife loses her gig. And my wife uh, makes way more money than I do. And she is the financial uh, backbone of the place. She loses her gig. And I'm like, we can't pay for that school. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So, you know, you, you can't really dash your, your, you can't lie to your kid. I, I pride myself, even with my son, uh, his mom and I did not get along. And I never lied to him. I always shot him straight, no matter what the situation was, hey, this is this, this is this. And to this day, he's a grown-ass man. His mom told him lies left and right, and I never lied to him. And he'll say to me, Dad, you never lied to me. It's like, I figured out, you know, about this age or whatever, or there would be things, and I would figure out, you didn't lie, that my mom had been lying to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's her her bed, she can lie in it. 
And they still have a strange relationship, but he and I are super, super tight. So I didn't want to be this guy who had told my daughter, hey, you can go wherever you want, and and if you get in, we'll put you through. Well, she gets in, and then she is, we accept, and that's when my my, uh, wife lost her gig, and that's when we didn't have the, the funds. So I took one day, I looked up, and there is a thing, because it's a private school, that if you work there, you get to go there for free, or your either you can, your spouse can, or your children can. And it's like, wow. So I went there, and that's where I've been for the last two years. I've been being basically campus police at a college here in Los Angeles that my daughter attends, and I'm still not going to say what it is. It's not too hard to figure out, but she's still there, and I went there for two years, and I did... I took a 50% pay cut from the job I had, and I went there, and I was like, I can suffer for four years for my daughter to get an amazing education at an amazing school, and I'm willing to do that sacrifice. Then, uh, and I got, I got hired, which was weird. The whole thing just worked out. It literally was a, a godsend. I, I was so grateful and thankful and prayed and was so happy that I got that crappy job when I got it. And so there I was, and things were going good. Well, things weren't going good. It was a horrible place from day one. It's very woke, and anything to do with academia is just not my cup of tea, even though I taught classes at UCLA. But through all of that, um, I've been really, really, really sacrificing, both financially more than anything, on my side, I've really, really been broke, and I've been, uh, you know, not paying the attention to the 49 that I should, and then I had a boss that hated me. Right after I got there, they got a new boss, and this dude hated me. And you know what's weird? I always outwork every pe- everyone, everywhere I go. I always, I've realized that doing the work is more than half the battle and so I always outworked everyone and I did this here I went there and outworked everyone I just outworked people and then I realized quickly like I'm the best dude you have I am the best you know patrol officer that you guys have and man was there a boss that came in that did not like that at all and went out of his way started telling me he was going to fire me, that he wanted rid of me because I would refuse orders or blah, 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 blah. And they ran it like a police department, even though, because it's a private school, um, which is ran by a religious order, they didn't want guns there. So we weren't allowed. We're the only campus police in, as far as I know, of any school in Southern California, including community colleges, that were not on it. And we were in a, not a great neighborhood. And we were, every night, like, I would chase bad guys. I arrested a gang member one night that was running for me, that was on campus and snuck on because we were closed via the gates. People would come on and steal and do horrible things. I mean, it was really gnarly. And I 
ended up confiscating a whole crap load of crack, all with no gun. And then, you know, it, it just, it got really stupid. At one point after that arrest, I got brought into my boss because uh, they were afraid of a, of a lawsuit of the way I made the You were always told to the entire time I was there, if you pull your baton out, and remember, that was all I had was a baton. If you pull your baton out, you're fired. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm back in the dark, dark bushes on the hills where there's no lights, chasing homeless people and gang members and criminal gangs that come on to campus to steal. And if I pull my baton, I'm fired? Like, seriously? They're like, it's a last resort. So there was a lot of just dumb, dumb shittery there that I did not like. Even though I will tell you this, working for that, that university was amazing. It was a great place to work. I worked for a bad department at a great university, and I was proud of the work that I did while I was there. But after then, remember, I took such a huge blow financially to go and work there that I couldn't I couldn't pay my bills. I, I, I didn't have enough money to pay my bills. And the Big 49 pays us absolutely nothing. We own it, and we're digging this thing. We're startup. We're digging this thing out of the ground. If anything, we're sinking money into it not pulling money out of it and so I'm trying to do that as well and my old boss God bless him a wonderful wonderful man where I was the head of security and I worked at for a few years before I went to the university he went out of his way to help me out and he seriously he gave me when I quit He's like, I refuse to let you quit. I'm like, well, I have to. It's, I'm getting a f free quarter million dollar education to to go. But I can't say no to this. Like, this is the amazing deal. And he's like, okay. So he insisted I stay there one day a week, and he gave me uh, a raise to pay my bills so that I could pay my bills from the huge pay cut I took. So working for him one day a week, I could offset my losses and at least make enough to pay my bills and not be completely bankrupt and that was a godsend as well because if I didn't have that guy looking out for me I would have been just down and out and so I worked there for the entire time I did that crazy shift and you would always hear me complain about it I would get up at one o'clock on a Wednesday I would record the show Second I was done recording the show, I would go to work and I would work all night. Then I would come home, change clothes, and then go to my old job. And I would work there till 6 o'clock at night. And then 6 o'clock at night, I would come home and record the Friday show and then go to bed. And it was 31 hours is what I would do. And I did that every single Wednesday, Thursday for two years. And it wore on me, man. I am not a spring chicken. I am an old fat guy. And I seriously was just over it and then having a boss that I didn't like and that didn't like me when we got to where the, the fees of this uh, college were more manageable so now I'm two years in I got two years wiped completely clean paid for this, the university paid for it all it became more manageable and my old boss was always asking me just come back come back why don't you just come back they don't like you I like you why don't you come back and has uh, helped me out. He is a wonderful, wonderful man. I, I, I truly uh, love him and his family. And I made the call and told my wife, like, I can't do this anymore. I'm miserable. I'm seriously killing myself. My diabetes and everything else flared up. I haven't 
I did a ton of walking at my job, but I didn't work out for two years. I had no time to do anything, and I uh, walked away. So I walked away, and I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to... My daughter's still there. She's got two more years, and I am no longer employed at the university. And I am I'm thankful for the opportunity and more thankful for the, the boss that I have that I went back to work for this week. And uh, I will be there for a very long time. So I just told you guys that because no one's ever known. I've always been so hush-hush about it. And I was hush-hush about it because it was a university. It was an uptight university. And if they heard my rantings and shenanigans on the radio, they probably would have fired me. And I was not in a situation where I could have lost that job because it would have been my wife would have shot me in the head. So that's why I never talked about it. And I'm still not going to say the name out of respect to the university and they did a solid for me. I've got a $130,000, $40,000 worth of education out of there for free. So that's amazing. Amazing, amazing. And I am grateful for it. So that's what's been going on. I risked everything, my life, my financial, everything. And now i got to dig myself out of a hole because I have been buried alive in the last two years. And hopefully I will be a little happier. I'll have a more normal schedule. I'll have money in my pocket again, and my uh, old job, which is once again my new job now, uh, I got a company, probably uh, like a company car to come back, which is amazing, 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 and they're just wonderful people. And I have my new baby that it's I don't it's not my car I don't take it home but it's like no one drives it but me so if I'm there and it's funny I drove patrol cars at the university and it was just like a we were police officers that didn't have guns that's where we were and uh, I am no longer that I am now once again a a rent a cop security guard who is armed to the teeth and has the full authority to do my job to the fullest where I am at now and I'm excited about that and I will be protecting myself when need be. So that's what's happened. Just letting you guys know. I told you I'd tell you about it. It was worth it to me. It was a sacrifice, but it was worth it. And if you're a parent, I think you would do anything you could to make your kids' lives better. And that's what I did. So all in all, uh, I'm, I'm not regretful of the experience, even though it damn near seems like it almost killed me. It's amazing, too, that I was working at a college around thousands of college kids every day and never got the COVID. It's, it, that's a miracle in and of itself as well. So here we go. Let's get back to the show. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get back and give you guys a UFO story next because I love the UFOs, and I will tell you about that coming up here in moments. Another UFO update on one of the stories we've been talking about for a good week or so. It's the Big 49. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. This is an update on the MXGP story about Jeffrey Erlings I told you about yesterday. He had a crash over the weekend in Germany. The most winning rider in the history of the sport caught his foot peg in a rut, ended up going over the bars, kind of landed on his head. He did finish that moto, but did not line up for the second moto. And now we know he has a fractured C5 vertebrae in his neck and will have to sit out at least two weeks. The good news is this is a rest and recovery injury and will not require surgery. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. 
big four nine. It is a stretch show here on a big old hump day. Get your humper on. That much closer to the weekend. The weekend brings on High Point, brings on Kenny Roxon racing an outdoor event, brings on the return of Phil Nicoletti. There's some good news this weekend in outdoor motocross. Very excited to see that. I wonder if they called Kenny and said, hey man, we'll pay you a grip of money just to come and race one race. Like they need superstars. And but then again, if I'm Kenny Roxon, I'm sitting at home, I see there's Six factory dudes out there on that track. You got dudes coming over that are privateers that are kicking ass and blowing into the top 10 because there's not a lot of competition. And if you're the last time Kenny Roxon raced outdoors, he was in the battle with Eli and Chase Sexton. Now you don't have Chase Sexton or Eli. And I'll bet you Kenny Roxon is arrogant enough to think I could I could get Jet Lawrence. I get Jet Lawrence a run for his money. That's what I think. I'm telling you. I am very interested to see how Kenny does. And Kenny's, it's just one race. Maybe he races the next one too. But for right now, it's one race. Kenny may go out there and effing win this thing. So I am stoked to see what Kenny Roxon does this week in a high point. That's the best news that Moto could have gotten to me. Seriously. All right, let's go into the story. Here's an update on the story out of Las Vegas that... Once again, the mainstream media has made a mockery of and laughed at, and everyone's like, ha, 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 giant aliens, blah, blah, blah. Even though there's a 911 call, there is uh, police body cam footage of whatever it was going down. And then this family calling saying a craft landed in their backyard and two giant-ass aliens got out, basically. And... The police showed up and they did their thing and we, we did that story. I played that entire news segment done by the CBS News affiliate in Las Vegas. And we all kind of laughed about it and it seemed like, wow, that's like a real legit way to cover a UFO story because everybody laughs at it. Well, a guy that is a, he makes a living in Vegas basically by outing the police. He basically is a like a community watchdog guy that watches the police and roust them. So he decided that he was going to go back and he was going to talk to these people as well. So he went back and talked to them and he got their story and they showed him around and whatever, whatever. And he was just kind of like writing a story about it. He's he's a reporter. Well, he comes back again because he has more questions. He comes back in another day. And when he comes back the next time, there is some really high-tech, high-quality cameras on the roof of this house. And it's not like, you know, you have security cameras mounted around your house. These are those, they look like they're mounted on a weather vane that's sitting on the top of the house. And they, they're ball, so they're 360-degree cameras. They could film in, in a 360 rotation. And there's two of them. And he's like, wow, when did you guys get that? And they go, oh, the... Uh, Las Vegas Police Department came and put those up for us so that they said we could monitor in case any crazy UFO people came back here. We could have some good, you know, footage to give to them. Las Vegas Police are like when the guy contacted them and they're like, we didn't give anybody any cameras. So somebody, which they're now thinking is the government or dark shadowy forces within the government or someone within the government that knows what the F those aliens in that spaceship were that landed in that backyard. 
Maybe they think they're going to be back. And they went in and said they were the Las Vegas Police Department and that they were going to put these up for them to help the family out. Family's like, cool, free, really high-tech security cameras. We're in. Yeah. Pretty weird, right? I think that's weird. I think there's something fishy there. And the Las Vegas Police Department telling this reporter they didn't put them up. So that's the latest. Literally, as I was recording the show, this was just breaking. I was just getting this story for the first time. Might be everywhere tomorrow, might be nowhere tomorrow. This UFO reporting is spotty at best. A lot of people are reporting, though, on this Las Vegas story because, like I said, they like to laugh about it. It's kind of crazy. People have a really next level, and we're not talking, it's not a UFO sighting. Hey, a UFO crashed in my backyard and two giant aliens got out and are staring at us. Yeah, that's next level. That's close encounters of the third kind. That's next level. And now all of a sudden, the Las Vegas Police Department show up and say, hey, we're going to put really high-tech cameras on your roof to protect you from crazy UFO nuts because those people are crazy. Yeah, guess what? It wasn't the Las Vegas Police Department. And the Las Vegas Police Department doesn't have the budget to put that kind of hardware on the roof of someone's house. And the guy's got pictures of it. I looked at it. This is real. This home is outfitted with really expensive, high-tech cameras. Pretty weird. So who who it really is to put those up there, we don't know. I imagine whoever it is is monitoring the hell out of those cameras, looking for whatever it was that showed up there a while back to come back. Like, come back like they were going to abduct the family. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they were butt-probing aliens that uh, abduct humans, and they were going to grab those people. And now they're like, oh, yeah, they're coming back. They're going to get these people. We're going to catch it on tape. I don't know. Pretty cool story, though. It just keeps on spinning and spinning and spinning. All right. I'm stretched. I got to get into one of my other stories next. How about this? How about a lady that died, only she wasn't dead? You know when they found out she wasn't dead? Yeah, at her funeral. And one of those... We'll get into that next. It's the Big 49. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. After two crashes in the first moto on Saturday at Thunder Valley, former MX2 champion Tom Vial tried to race the second moto, but after the practice lap, he says he felt like his wrist was weak and the team decided to sit him down and rest him for the day. The good news is that he says he will be good to go this weekend for High Point and everything should be fine. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is Stretch Show on a big old humper. Shout out to the humpers. Get your humper, humper, hump, 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 hump on. Ah, I love Wednesday, middle of the week. We're getting that much closer to Friday. I will tell you one thing about my, uh, my new job is five days a week. My new job, which is my old job, is five days a week. My job that I just uh, left was only four days a week. But they were long shifts. At least 10 hours, guaranteed, plus your breaks. So you, you were on site for 11 hours a day. Plus your commute in there, that's 12 hours a day. Yeah, I did that and did a radio show and did another job. You know why? got to do what you got to do, mofo. You're a privateer. You want to chase your dreams? You got to grind. And that's what I did. I did everything I had to do for all of the reasons I had to do it. I had to do what I had to do for myself, for the 49. I had to do what I had to do to make extra money to work the third job. And then I had to do what I had to do for my family to have that other job. So 
is what it is, but now I'm back to just this job and my original job that I had beforehand, that I had before I ever started the 49. I'm now coming up on five years there because I never left, even though I took a two-year hiatus and only worked there one day a week. I've still been there for coming up on five years. Pretty crazy. All right, let's tell you this story. This is a fun story because it could totally happen. In fact, it did happen. And if it happened to me, there would be like, who's that big guy screaming like a bitch and beating this uh, uh, semi-dead person back to death? Oh, that stretch. He freaked out. He just brought a, a dead lady back to life. This happened in Ecuador. We had a 76-year-old woman. She had been declared dead at a hospital. Now, here's the crazy thing. She was a nurse. This uh, old retired nurse at a hospital in Ecuador. And here she is. She gets sick, and she dies, and they're like, all right, she's dead. So what do you do? You ship her down the morgue, I guess, park her in the little deep freeze, and then they bring her out for the wake. Uh, obviously, you're in Ecuador. I'm going to assume you're Catholic, and you have a wake. It's like a, a prayer service before you have the funeral the day before. The whole family's gathered around. And everyone is there for the wake when they hear knocking. They're like, wait a minute, I hear knocking. Hey, that knocking's coming from the casket. Uh-oh, you know how this ends. She wasn't dead. Yeah, relatives ran over to the coffin and opened the door only to find her alive. They then rushed her back to the hospital that had pronounced her dead. By the way, big investigation in that hospital. When you pronounce people dead and you let some days go by where you're going to bury them and then they are, aren't are dead, they come back to life after knocking on their casket at their wake. Yeah, people got some explaining to do. Ecuador's health ministry said that uh, she was in intensive care Monday at the very hospital that had mispronounced her. While they're investigating the doctors involved in her case, a technical committee has been formed to review how the hospital issues death certificates to people that are dead. She had been admitted Friday at the hospital with a possible stroke, a possible uh, cardiopulmonary arrest, and when she did not respond to resuscitation, doctor on duty declared her dead, shipped her off to the morgue. Only she didn't die. So much so she didn't, thank God they didn't bury that lady alive. Here's what's crazy. We get enough of these stories of people not being dead at their funerals that you realize, and by the way, being a ghost dude, if I saw a person at their funeral, I'd be like, oh, dude, the, their ghost is here. And I would be tripping, it's a ghost. No, it's them, they just weren't dead. And, oh my God, and you know though, but there's so many of these stories that like third world countries around the world where they declare someone dead and then they come back to life or they make a noise or something happens in the morgue or at the funeral, like this story, you know people have been buried alive. Ugh. By the way, my whole fear of dying is that, is not dying. I don't mind dying. I just don't want to not die and get stuck in a box and then buried. That's a nightmare, nightmare. Like, I'll go for the cremation for 100. Yeah, that's terrifying. So note to self, don't go to Ecuador and seek any sort of medical treatment. You can end up being pronounced dead when you're not dead. 
That would suck a big fat one. God, that's worse than getting eaten by a shark, I think. Man, I, I, don't, I don't know. This is all bad. Now I psych myself out. All right, up next, we're going to talk to another guy from the Red Bull KTM team. His name is Cooper Webb, coming up on the 4-9. The Man Urged. Report! Former UFC champ Conor McGregor says he has spent a lot of time with that guy that was wearing the Bernie suit over the weekend that he smacked senseless in what was, quote, a planned skit during halftime of the Heat Nuggets game. Bernie is the mascot of the Miami Heat. Connor was doing some promotional thing and he punched the guy in the head a couple times and the guy ended up having to go to the hospital. Connor apparently visited him there and says everything's good. But then again, Connor didn't get punched in the head. Ted Kaczynski, AKA the Unabomber. We all know he died in his federal jail cell over the weekend, but now we know he hung himself just like Jeffrey Epstein. Who knew that the Unabomber had dirt on the Clintons? <laughs> This is probably the worst news ever. Yesterday, I told you that Pat Sajak, longtime host of the show Wheel of Fortune, is going to step down after this coming season. And guess what? The hot rumor is that Ryan the Deuce Seacrest is going to replace him. That's just what we need. A douche of Ryan Seacrest on the TV more than he already is. My God. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Big Fortnite. It is a Stretch show on a Wednesday. Uh, I gotta tell you guys, remember I'm the paranormal nightmare. Uh, my house, I've lived in this house for over 20 years now. Come on, 22 years. And um, longest I've ever lived anywhere in my entire life, including as a child. Because I was out of my house by the time I was 18. So I've lived in this house longer than I've lived anywhere in my entire life. Half of my adult life I've lived in this house. And I can tell you, it is not haunted. There's never been anything weird or creepy here. But in the last year or two, there is weirdness going on in this house. I'm gonna, I'm seriously trying to figure out what it is. And I have cleaned the house. Remember, I'm super into this stuff. I got uh, sage and I got holy water and I have cleared it out a couple times and it goes away and it gets better. And then it comes back, but what it is, it is in my daughter's bedroom, which is adjacent to the Big 49 West studio. And for the longest time, she would think it was me in here making noise. I would think it was her in there making noise, but it sounds like someone is literally throwing shoes into the closet and they're bouncing off the wall, falling in the closet. I just assume it's my daughter being lazy. Like, why is she like bashing the closet up like that and like cleaning up with haste? And she thinks I'm in here doing stuff, but I'm like, I'm on the microphone, I'm recording, I'm doing the show, I, I'm not, but I can hear it, and she can hear it, and then she's heard it when I'm not home, and I've heard it when she's not home, and tonight, while recording the show, doing the show tonight, I literally am I'm sitting here, and my wife and daughter were out with uh, dinner with some of our friends, and I was here doing my due diligence of the Big Four Nine, and... I heard the loud noise in the room next door and I just assumed, oh, they're home. So I got done whatever I was doing at that moment and I went in the other side of the house and I was gonna say something to my wife and then I realized all the lights are off and the dogs are still in the backyard. They're not in the house. I'm like, well, that's weird. And then when I come out, lo and behold, they were uh, not home. So the weirdness happened. I gotta, clear, I gotta clear this house again. It's a bitch. 
Also, I, now I'm starting to wonder if there isn't something bad here because my big dog, Sarge, that is constantly at my side, apparently today, who stays in this, this is his room. I, I'm, I operate a radio station out of Sarge's room. This is Sarge's room. He's the king. He lays in here. It's his spot. And he doesn't leave my side, typically, if I'm home. Well, apparently he was laying in here a couple times today in his bed, in his room, and he would see our our female German Shepherd in the hallway and apparently ran out and attacked her twice, and that never happens. He's never been aggressive, not towards uh, our dogs, like ever. So it's weird. He's all of a sudden attacking the female German Shepherd who's just like, what the hell did I do? So I don't know. There's like a demon in my house that's getting my dog. Gotta clean this bitch out. All right, before I go uh, on to another segment, I told you I was going to tell you about a man who was a bank robber, and he thought he was smart. He was from, uh, God, where was he at? A Minnesota man, lived in Minneapolis, and what he would do is he would drive down to Chicago, rob a bank, drive back to Minnesota, and did it twice, twice this year. Problem is, he's a dumbass. Something that criminals will do. And they will uh, drive like idiots. So when this guy left Chicago, there's all kinds of pictures of him driving from Minnesota to Chicago where he is running on like toll roads and not paying the tolls. And they take a picture of you. And it's funny, in the picture, he's wearing the same clothes as he wore in one of the bank robberies. Yeah, he's a dumbass, but it gets better. Say in one bank robbery, he got $6,000. In another bank robbery, he got a little over $8,000. But somewhere along the way, he pulled over. You know, he's going back home and that long commute from work. You go out and steal and you go back to, go back home. He was on that long commute home and, well, someone stole his car with the bank robbery money inside of it. <laughs> uh the other time, a dye pack went off, and he had to abandon the car, and the cops found the car, which was his car with a dye pack, and yeah, yeah, you're busted, you dumbass. Don't be a dumbass and be a criminal. I know that's a weird kind of, um, they go hand in hand, but stop it. I'm Stretch. It's a Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Just one day after teasing that he was trying to decide if he should race motocross this weekend at High Point or go out on his boat for Father's Day weekend, Kenny Roxon has apparently made up his mind and he is going to race this weekend. It makes sense, too, because the HEP Suzuki team is already out there with all of his teammates, so they just have to add Kenny's bike to the trailer. And considering the competition in the 450 class, Kenny should come away somewhere in the top five if not on the podium and give himself a boost in the super motocross championship points before he heads over to europe to do the world supercross pretty good move for kenny roxon i'm stretch another moto minute brought to you by lbz is coming up one hour from now big 49 it is a stretch show you ever feel like somebody's watching you like rockwell and you like realize that's michael jackson hiding in your closet He's probably been watching you for a while Dirty Mike. That's what they call him. Well, it could totally happen. And you are being watched. And every day you have a smartphone, you're watched more than you could possibly know. They say our growing reliance on smartphone devices has armed these companies with 
hyper, hyper amounts of data on each individual. Say when it comes to data privacy uh, in the super connected age that we live in now, many of your worst fears and biggest anxieties are correct. Your smartphones and other devices collect an incredible array of information on your habits, choices, and movements at all times. All of this information is compiled by companies to sell for profit. And guess who the biggest consumer is? The biggest consumer of that is the United States government. You've been been watched like Rockwell and not by Michael Jackson. No, 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 by Uncle Sam. That's the creepy uncle in your closet touching himself. Imagine Joe Biden in an Uncle Sam suit with a big white goatee sitting in your closet going, (laughs) trying to sniff your hair when you fall asleep, that effing old creeper. That's what's happening. That's Uncle Sam, and that's what Uncle Sam's doing right now. Buying up all your data, knowing everything you move, every move you make, every breath you take, like the police. Not the police police, but the police the band, like Sting. Yeah, a declassified document that was made public on Friday was completed in January of 2022. Following 90 days of assessment, it was commissioned by uh, the Director of National Intelligence and the uh, President Poopy Pants Administration. And they are realizing, wow, there's some serious issues. And the U.S. intelligence agencies are using commercially available data to spy on you. So basically, and here's what I've always said. With social media and all of your apps and all of your smartphones, you are spying on yourself for the government and foreign governments as well. They don't have to spy on you anymore. You perfectly consent to it and allow it yourself. All the spying being done on you is by you, and it's your fault that you are being spied on by yourself. Seems a little creepy. Yeah. They say today in a way uh, that far fewer Americans seem to understand and even fewer of them can avoid. uh, Your commercially available information is out there, which includes information on everyone. They say it is a type and level of sensitivity that historically could have been uh, never been obtained. And now it's all just collected by your own damn devices that you carry around in your pocket. They know how much you walk around, how much you don't walk around. They know what you listen to. They know if you listen to the 49. They know if you listen to freaking some streaming service. They know if you listen to the radio. They know everything you do because your smart devices tell them. They know if what articles you like on social media, what articles you post about. They know what you shop. They know what you buy. They know everything there is to know about you. Myself included. I'm no better than you guys. I'm an idiot too. But just know, you're spying on yourself. All right. Coming up next, we're going to get out of here. Um, I got the final hour of the stretch show, which means we are going to replay that interview with Aaron Plessinger. And then after we talk to AP on the way out, I'm going to give you a fun story about Moto Man's people. Yeah, they had the big uh, President Biden's pride party, they called it, at the White House. And there was a big oopsie. Apparently, you can't take trannies anywhere. They don't know how to behave. People are very upset. One tranny got banned from the White House, the, the Pride event. They did something stupid. And then when they came back for the event the next day, they're like, yeah, you can't come here anymore. You're banned from the White House. 
even apparently if you have a penis, it's not okay to show your titties, even though they're fake. Because you're a girl, and girls can't show their boobies, remember? If you're a girl, you gotta abide by girl rules. Girls can't show their boobies. Well, a tranny showed their boobies at the White House. I'll tell you all about it. It's the big 49. It's time to get up on out of here and get ready for the Thursday show tomorrow. Shout out to Kenny Roxon for coming out and racing this weekend. It'll be nice to have another high-level competitor on the course for the 450s. You also got Filthy Phil coming up to the 450s and coming off of a long-time uh, injured list. Phil Nicoletti, Muckoff um, Club MX Yamaha. He will be on a 450 racing this weekend. And Kenny Roxon going to be out there. Very cool about that. Very, very cool. Uh, before I go, I wanted to tell you they had a uh, what they billed as President Biden's Pride Party at the White House. Super gay White House with the rainbow flags and everything. And while they had it, one uh, trans influencer named Rose Montoya has since been banned from the White House. 27-year-old uh, Montoya, moments after meeting with the president outside the White House on the lawn, pulled her top off and whipped her titties out and took a picture. And the White House says that that is an incredibly inappropriate and disrespectful because she did post it because she's an influencer. You do everything for social media clout. So they banned her from the White House. She's now all butthurt. They say it's not reflective of the event we hosted to celebrate the LGBTQ5G families or their hundreds of guests who are in attendance just because one dude with a penis and boobies decided to show his boobies because he was confused. He didn't know. He thought because he still had a penis it was okay to show his boobs, but apparently it's not. And so we told him, or we told her it's disrespectful and you can no longer be a part of President Biden's pride party. You have to go. Don't be disrespectful to Joe. He's really gullible and stupid, and we don't need you making him look worse. Okay? And that's what happened. That's how the conversation went. <laughs> My God, help us. My God, pray for, the, pray for our country. I am Stretch. I'm getting out of here. I will talk to you tomorrow. So until then, God bless you all, and God bless the United States of America. Uh-huh.